think I may have shared this before. I, Mia is an answer to prayer. I remember praying with her parents before she was even conceived that God would give them a child. What an answer to prayer. I really love the body of Christ. I'm so grateful for, for so many reasons. I'd like you to take your Bibles, would you please, and turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 for many months. I, I, my apologies perhaps to those who are here for the first time or the first time in a long time because we're really at the end uh, or near the end of a, 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 a wonderful journey we have been on through the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, powerful, the, the life and the, the message and the miracles and the words and the compassion of Jesus. And, and really we're coming to uh, which would arguably be one of the greatest parts. Pastor Ben mentioned earlier about how in just a few weeks we're going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, Easter. It is a time in which we lift up. Uh, gee, we, we celebrate that every day. Uh, without the resurrection, we're no place, folks. But, but because of the resurrection, and that's, it's, so it's one day out of the year that we particularly focus in on that and celebrate what Jesus did and what Jesus does. The, the, the theme, you heard the theme, you see it on the, I have a, a, one of those here, and him was life. You go, what's with that? Well, it's actually from the, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. It's a quote. In him was life. And, and, and so use these, all right? Use these and bring someone with us. Well, we are in, again, this Gospel of Mark talking about the life and the ministry of Jesus, and what we are about to read happened just days before Jesus was arrested and crucified, just days before Jesus was resurrected, raised from the dead to give us new life, um, which, which really makes what we're about to read even more meaningful when you understand the time frame, the timing in which this happens, or the timing in which Jesus said these things. Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 3, reads this way. While Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper the, and reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume of pure nard. She broke the vial, it was a bottle, she broke the vial and poured it over his head. But some were indignantly remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii and the money given to the poor, and they were scolding her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done a good deed to me, for you always have the poor with you, and whenever you wish you could do good to them, uh, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached, and this is today, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her." 
Lord Jesus, again, I ask that you will speak to us through your word. We are today fulfilling a prophetic word from your word. You said that what she did would be spoken of wherever the gospel is preached, and we do that today. We remember this occasion, but more than that, we remember our Savior and what he did. We pray that you would impart this into our hearts and that we would live it in the hours and in the days to come. This we pray, and we know that we pray this according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus and his disciples, 12 disciples, were in this this village called Bethany. It was near Jerusalem, not not far, kind of what you call a bedroom community. In fact, that's what Jesus was using it for, Jesus and the disciples. They would go into Jerusalem during the day, and then they would come, go back to Bethany at night, and that's where they would reside. They were in this village called Bethany, and specifically, they were in the home, uh, it says, of Simon the leper. What a name, isn't it? Simon the leper. How would you like to have a name like that? That wasn't his name, of course. It was his designation. It's how people identified him. You know, there were probably a lot of Simons. Uh, that was not an uncommon name. But to distinguish him from others, it was, oh, Simon, you know, the guy who's a leper. Can you imagine carrying that around? Here's the thing, um, and while it doesn't go into detail here in the text, I am quite confident that he was actually more specifically Simon the ex-leper. You, you know what I understand? You understand here? Because he is, he is, Jesus is there. And Jesus had this thing about disease. He really didn't like disease, and he would heal disease. So if he was known as Simon the leper, he no longer had leprosy, because people were staying here, he was now considered clean. Jesus had healed him. He was Simon the ex-leper. Jesus was with friends. He was here in this village. He's in this home. He is with friends. It says he was reclining at a table, and probably before the meal was served, something happened. A, a woman, it says, entered the room. John's gospel, it doesn't say who it is here in Mark, but John's gospel identifies this woman as Mary. Now, uh, there are a lot of Marys, women named Mary, particularly in the New Testament. It's a variation of the Old Testament name of Miriam, who was Moses' sister, and so it was a pretty common name then. This Mary, this particular Mary, is Mary who was the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus. Lazarus, excuse me, these, these, two, these two people, uh, 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 three siblings here that, that live together also in this village. Very, very key people. We see them a number of times. And it says here that this Mary, this Mary entered the room and she did a usual thing in a most unusual way. Let me say that again. She did a usual thing in an unusual way. She was carrying, the Bible says, she was carrying an alabaster vial or a bottle. Alabaster is a, a kind of a semi-precious stone, uh, valuable in itself. She's carrying this. We don't know exactly how large it is, but, but certainly something that could be seen. She's carrying it. The, the jar contained something called nard, which was a perfumed oil from quite some distance from, from India, actually. So you can understand at this time. India's a long ways off then and now, and, and this was something imported. This was something valuable. So not only was the bottle valuable, but the contents of the bottle 
were particularly valuable. Now, it was customary to place, when you would have a guest in your home, probably uh, don't do this now, but uh, it was customary then to when they would come in, you would wash their feet. Sometimes you would anoint their head with these few drops of oil. Don't try this the next time you have guests, okay? Just leave their feet alone and, and, and just keep the perfume away. But, but at that time, it was very, very customary to do this. But just one or two drops of fragrant oil anointing their head, um, it, it, was, it was a very common thing to do, particularly for guests. But that's not unusual. It was the way that Mary did it. The way that Mary did it and the amount she used is what made this unusual. It says here that she took the jar, this alabaster jar, and she broke it. It would have had a stopper or a cover, a lid of some sort, but she didn't just take it off. She broke the neck of that thing. She broke it, which means you'll never use this thing again. It, 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 this is it. This is it. Now it's just broken pottery. It, it, it's a one-shot kind of a deal, and it says that she broke it. No one would ever use this again. It was a one-way street in regards to this alabaster vial. And then, if that wasn't enough, she then took the contents of that now broken jar, and she, it says she poured it poured the entire contents onto Jesus' head. Not just one or two drops, as was customary, but the entire contents of it. She took it. I don't know exactly how she broke me. You know, there's a table or something. She breaks the neck, and she dumps it onto his head. Now, now just imagine that scene for a moment. You can see it in your mind's eye. Here, she, she's doing this, and she pours the contents of this over over his head. It would have, there was so much, it would have run down Jesus' head. By the way, this is the head that would, in a very short time, have thorns, a crown of thorns, beaten onto his scalp. Same head. There was, there was probably so much oil on it that it not only covered his head and went over his brow, that brow that would wear that that crown of thorns, but it also probably ran down into his beard. The same beard that a few days from this point would be, the Bible tells us, yanked out after Jesus was arrested. I'm kind of going out on a limb here, but there may have been so much that it ran down his neck and onto his back, the same back that would be mercilessly beaten. The Bible says that he, in the book of Isaiah, that he, his back was beaten. He took the stripes for our healing. Same oil ran down over the head, perhaps into the beard, onto his back. I don't know, maybe at some point during this process, it doesn't record it, so I'm just, uh, it's conjecture, you understand. Maybe at some point he, he wiped some of it out of his eyes and onto his hands that would be nailed to a cross for us. Mary didn't know that. Jesus had shared with his disciples that he was going to be crucified, but they didn't understand all what that meant. 
But Jesus knew. There's so much oil. So much oil, not just one or two drops, but the entire contents went down to him. And again, this, was, this oil was highly aromatic. It, it, was, it was infused with these perfumes. It was highly aromatic, and, and it would have filled the, the smell of it. The, the aroma of it would have absolutely filled the room. So if people didn't see it happen, if people were off in some corner perhaps, and they didn't see her break that thing and, and pour it. If they didn't see it, within a very short time, they would smell it. What, what is it? Wow, that's, whew, that's some powerful stuff. So we know what happened. This is, this is the story. She comes in, she, she doesn't know exactly what's going to happen after this, she just knows what she's going to do. She's going to come in, she, she has this in her heart, and she completes the task. She breaks it one way, that's it, never used again, and she pours the entire content, never to be used on anyone else, it's all his. But why did she do it? I mean, that, that's really the question that we're, we're left with. We know what she did, but why did she do it? Why did she why so much? Why so? Here's an important word. Why so extravagant? Why such a, why sh- why such an extravagant gesture? Probably for many reasons. We know that Mary, uh, uh, when Jesus was in their house on on a different occasion, we know that Mary loved to sit at Jesus' feet. We know that on another occasion, Mary fell at Jesus' feet when her brother died and Jesus didn't come in the time frame that she wanted. This was not the first time that she met Jesus. She'd known him for some time, maybe as long as a couple of years. It was for those times, partly, that she did this, but, but one reason is because not long before, Within really just a relatively short period of time before this, Jesus, the Bible tells us, had raised Mary's brother, Lazarus, from the dead. We won't tell the whole story, but her brother, some unlisted, we don't know exactly what he died from, but he died and and he was not only dead, he was days dead, four days dead. And Jesus comes and Jesus He's the guy, he's not only dead and four days dead, he's buried dead. And Jesus comes along and he instructs people to roll away the stone and, and, and then he speaks out and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, suddenly life surges into him and he steps forward and Lazarus was alive. But you see, Lazarus had two sisters. He had a sister named Mary and a sister named Martha. And I think one of the reasons, this is my opinion, I think one of the reasons why Mary was so moved is because of what Jesus did to her brother. You see, when you do something for, when somebody does something for you, it's one thing. It's, it's sometimes even more so when they do it for someone that's a beloved. Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, you talk about first-class miracle, this thing is epic. It was, it was arguably, other than Jesus' own resurrection, it was arguably that one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever rec- uh, performed that is recorded. Raising somebody who's four days dead, that's pretty big, and Mary's, she's so grateful. Hers 
was not simply an act of worship, it was an act of gratitude. She comes and she breaks this thing and anoints Jesus' head. It was an act of gratitude. Now, we know what happened there, and if, and if it were just Jesus and Mary in the room, that would, that would alone be significant, but it also records here that other, other people who were present responded differently. Verse 4 says they were indignant. They were indignant. She was extravagant, and they were indignant. They said basically, what a waste. They said, and this is a quote, the jar and its contents could have been sold for over 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. Let me explain for just a moment. A denarii or a denarius was roughly equal to one day's wage for an average worker. So you do the math. You just translate it however into that same amount today. It, and it said here, they, somebody did some quick estimation and they, they knew the value of not only the vial but more so the perfume. And they said it's, it's, it's over 300 denarii. This would be comparable to an entire year's wage. Again, you do the math. It's a lot of money then and now. It's a lot of money to spend. It's a lot of things to give for something that within a a short time would be, would be worked into the skin or into the hair or washed off. Seems like an awful lot to make a, a memory. And people, it says, again, they were indignant and they said, what's with this? What a waste. Think of what that could have done. Think of, how, think of the people that could have been affected. Think of the lives that could have been changed if you would have just sold it. Don't waste it. You, wait, you wasted it. You can't recover it. Verse 5 says they scolded her. That's a pretty strong word. They scolded her. Another translation says they rebuked her. In other words, it wasn't just, now Mary, you really shouldn't have done that. It's, Mary, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? They scolded her. It was demeaning. It was condescending. It was, it was hurtful. Now, I don't know if she heard it. I, I don't know if she heard it, but eventually she heard it because it's a matter of record. Eventually, she found out what people were saying. She had just given this amazing and extravagant act of gratitude and worship. She had just done this, I mean, with a heart that's pure, with, 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 a, with a motivation that was based, I believe, a large degree on, on worship and gratitude, and they tore into her. You ever do something really, really good and somebody bites you for it? Don't, don't raise your hand or shout out, yeah, it's me, let me tell you, don't do that. Did you ever do that? You, 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 you give of yourself and someone just lashes out. These, these events here, these events here and in Mark chapter 14, of course, are not just filler, right? It's not just another story in this amazing week. They're here for a purpose. Of all of the things that happened, I've pointed out before that in John's gospel, it says that if everything that Jesus said and did were written down and put in books, all the books of the world couldn't contain it all. So why this? Why is this a part of the 
the gospel. Why is this recorded here and also in one of the other gospels? Why is this here? Well, it's not by accident. For one thing, it shows us that people who are changed by Jesus often become extravagant. If you're taking notes, write that down. People who are changed by Jesus, people whose lives have been transformed. I mean, not just I heard about him and it's a nice story, but I mean, I'm talking people whose lives have been absolutely changed by Jesus. They, be, they can become very, very extravagant. Mary did what she did because Jesus had dramatically changed her. She wasn't the same woman she was some years before Jesus came into her life. He had done such a fundamental, essential, transformational change in her that it's like, what can I do? Oh, I've got that heirloom. I have that valuable thing that's tucked away, that, 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 that is, is something of value. I know what I'm going to. And she became extravagant. She was compelled to do something. And what she did, again, was it was unexpected and extravagant in the extreme. Recently, I had lunch with someone, a um, uh, wonderful brother. I had lunch with him, and, and knowing just some of what uh, he had done, he and his family had done to expand the kingdom of God by both their words and their actions, I, I was aware of someone. I'm, ne- I'm never aware of everything, and, I, and that's good. I'm not supposed to know. It's not my business to know everything that everyone has done for the kingdom of God. But, but I was aware of some of it, and I just kind of in a, not an offhanded way, and it wasn't flippant, I was sincere, but I just said, you know, thank you for what you do. And he looked at me, very, very serious, I mean, just looked straight at me, um, and uh, I, this, is, this is his response, and I, and I really appreciate his response. He said, Pastor, when I think of what Jesus has done in my life and in my family's life, I can't help but do something to get the word out to other people. Isn't that a great response? I just, I just, hey, thank you for what you're doing for the kingdom. Pastor, when I think of what Jesus has done in my life and what he's done in my family and to my family, he says, I can't help but do everything that I can to get the word out to other people with the implication that their lives too will be changed. I like, I like that. It, it was, you know, uh, it, was, it was a great exchange. I, there was no, yeah, oh, yeah, Pastor, that cost us a lot. It wasn't, oh, I don't know what we're going to be able to do now. I guess it's going to be ramen noodles and hamburger helper from now until Jesus. It wasn't anything like that. Neither was it, you know, well, we're just doing our fair share. No, it wasn't. And here's the thing, that's just a, a, a conversation that I had recently, but, but I've actually had many conversations like that with many of you and many others. I just love what Jesus has done for me, and <laughs> glory to God, I just want to be a part of what he's doing in other people's lives. See, that's what happens when he transforms us. I mean, really deeply transforms us. It's not just, oh, that was a nice story, but I mean, he changes us. There's something that happens in us, and we just go, oh, what do you want to use, Lord? I shared a couple of weeks ago that when we truly give our lives to Christ, it's not that we just loan things out or reluctantly give things out because everything is already His. See, what Mary did 
people still do. I've seen it. Many of you have seen it. What Mary did, people still do. They just do it in different ways. In countless ways, people give. Not just in an offering, not just that. If that's the only way that you give, then you're not extravagant. If you only limit it to your checkbook or your debit card or whatever, however you give, if if that's the only way that you demonstrate extravagance, but no, it's with our whole lives. What Mary did, people still do. They just do it in countless ways people give so that others will also meet and experience the Savior who changed them. In fact, I'm going Here's where it gets dangerous, and it often does when I preach. Here, here's, here's where it gets dangerous. If we, are, if, if we do not have that response of, wow, I just want to do something, if we do not have that response, then I wonder how much we've actually been transformed. If our response is, well, yeah, if you, I guess we better give something. Margaret, can we handle, can we give $6 this week? Or, yeah, yeah, I'll give you time. I'll give you, I'll give you three months. Or, yeah, I'll, I'll show up, but, but don't let it, you know, I mean, if, if that's our response, it's an unextravagant response, then really has, has he really transformed us? Now, there's something else that I see here in this text And that is that Jesus changed people who give extravagantly will be accused of waste. You can write that down in your notes as well. Jesus changed people who give extravagantly will be accused of waste. Again, Mary was delighted to serve Jesus in such a unique and sacrificial way. But when she did what she did, others lit into her. Today, some people will look at people who live and give extravagantly, and by give, it's again, not just one way. People today look at other people who live and give extravagantly, and they will say, you got religion? Or you do what with your time? You gave how much to that missionary? You read and you live the Bible? What's the matter with you? You don't do this anymore? You do that now? What a waste. How, how, don't, again, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have had responses like that? When Jesus transforms you, you become a Jesus-changed person. And you begin living differently. You begin thinking differently. You begin doing differently. Your whole value system is, is, is changed. And the people that knew you back back when, say, what a waste. But but let me ask you this, is it even possible to waste something on Jesus? Is it even possible to waste something on Jesus? Consider that. Is that possible? I mean, he gave his life for us, folks. He gave his life. Jesus gave everything. Jesus, if you will, broke the bottle and poured it all for you and and for me. He gave it all. He didn't just say a little. No, he gave it all. He gave everything for us. He rose from the dead for you and for me to give us eternal life. Everything that we are, everything that we have is because of him. How can we waste anything on him? 
If he calls us to give it, or if we just want to just give of something, and how can anything be wasted for the cause of Christ? Years ago, a young, gifted man with his whole future ahead of him responded to someone who questioned him, who wondered why he would become a missionary. He wrote this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he can never lose. Just let that resonate in your spirit. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he can never lose. I paraphrase Jim Elliott, why call it foolish For someone who gives their all to Christ, who gives their entire life to Him that they cannot keep, who gives their body to Him that they they cannot keep indefinitely, to gain something that we can never lose. That's not foolish, it's extravagant. Now, let me, let, me, let me be very quick to say this. A life can be wasted. A life can be wasted. We don't have to look very far to find people who have amazing gifts and incredible opportunities and immense resources who wasted it on themselves or who wasted it on some empty pursuit that never lasted more than a few years or a few decades. If you want to chastise anyone for wasting their life, it's for people who waste it on something that is here and gone in moments or days or weeks or even years that that can never go beyond the point of death. Now that is a wasted life. That is a wasted life. I don't care what they accomplish. If it's not done in the name of Jesus and for His glory and for His kingdom, then it, it is indeed an epic waste. But if we do it in Christ's name, and if we give it for the cause of Christ, if we give ourselves to the cause of Christ, that life is not wasted. People who give themselves entirely to Christ, who give whatever they have, even everything they have, there is no waste there. So if someone accuses you of wasting your life because you're passionate for Jesus and you're committed to spreading his word, then consider yourself in good company. You're in good company. There's one more thing that I want you to see from this text, and that is this. People changed by Jesus. Look to him and listen to him. People who are changed by Jesus look to him and they listen to him. Again, I would like to see this scene. I would like to see it as, as she breaks this, the neck of that vial, pours it over. It runs down over Jesus. People see it, smell it. They start just loading things onto her, chastising her, rebuking her, scolding her. I, I'd like to see her face. Here's, here's, here's the thing. I'm, I'm pretty sure because on another occasion when her sister was really busy with housework, it says, Mary sat at the feet of, of Jesus and listened to him. Didn't listen to her sister. Here's, here's my opinion. I think that Mary, who had just poured this on Jesus, was really fixated on Jesus, and she didn't really at that point care too much about what they said. 
Because people who are changed by Jesus look to him and they listen to him. Again, the people were scolding Mary, but verse 6 says this, but Jesus said. I love those words. But Jesus said. But Jesus said. How many times when you are scolded do you need to say, but Jesus said. When someone says it's a waste, you know what a great response is? Well, but Jesus said. And I'm not talking as a cop-out. Don't use it unless Jesus said. Uh, I think there are too many times where we do something that is not even scriptural, not even, in fact, it's contrary to scripture. And people I've seen where they say, but Jesus, no, and, and but if Jesus said it, then you can say, but Jesus said. I'm grateful for those words. I'm, I'm really grateful that it says there, but Jesus said. Listen, when you do something for Jesus Christ and others, perhaps, I'm going to go so far as to say this, perhaps even those who are close to you, when you do something for Christ and those who are close to you, particularly those who are close to you, when they say to you, what a waste, then at that point you need to look to Jesus and hold on to his words. Because it's going to get it's going to get hot and heavy. Sometimes people are going to dump on you, and you know what you need to do then? You need to look to Jesus and listen to his words. But Jesus said, uh, when Satan whispers in your ear, and it's almost always a whisper, it's seldom a shout, it's just it's more insidious than that. In the middle of the day or the middle of the night, when Satan whispers in your ear, you're wasting your life, or it's a lost cause, then you know what you need to do? You need to look to Jesus and you need to listen to his words. But Jesus said. How many times do you need to stand up to the enemy and say, but Jesus said. When he says that you're going to perish, you need to look at him and say, but Jesus said. When the people around you say, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your life, you're wasting your resources, you need to look at them and say, but Jesus said. Because people who are changed by Jesus, people who have been transformed by Jesus, people that are living extravagant lives of giving to Jesus need to remember what Jesus said. Listen to Jesus. The voices of others may be so loud. I know. I know. The voices of others may be so loud. It may be a cacophony of sound just coming at you and just blasting you. It may be persistent. It may not be a one-time thing, but a continuous thing. Listen to him. Listen to him. Here's the thing. At the end of that day, during that incredible week, at the end of that day, Mary was 300 denarii poorer, but she was the wealthiest woman in the room other than Jesus. And today, better part of 2,000 years later, we're still talking about her and fulfilling Scripture. And for you and me, for you and me, Let's, let's, let's extend that timeline a little bit further, a lot further. 10,000 years from now, what we do for ourselves will never be remembered. It won't take 10,000 years. 100 years from now, what you and I do for ourselves will never be remembered or really even cared about if it is remembered. 
But what we do for Jesus will be remembered for eternity. What we do in his name, what you do in his name, will be remembered forever. What, what we do for him will last. Nothing else will. Nothing else will. Someday, you and I are going to stand before Jesus. You know what he's going to say to us? Here's what I wanted him to say to us. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm living for. I'm going to stand before his throne. You're going to stand before his throne. I and mean, this is a big day, man. And everyone's uh, was going, to, going, to be, everyone's going to be there. If you're a follower, you're going to be there. And he's going to look at you, and here's what I want him to say to you and to me. Well done, good and faithful servant. I want to listen to him. I want to listen to him. Oh, looking for that. In fact, I want to live this day in light of that day. I want to live tomorrow thinking of that day. This morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask our, our musicians if they would prepare themselves. We're going to sing a song that, uh, together, and I want you to sing it as well. A song that we sang earlier, and that is what a wonderful, excuse me, what a beautiful name is the, is the title of the song. And so we're going to get that ready, and you're going to see it before you. And uh, I, I want to close our time with, a, uh, with us singing this song, lifting up the name of Jesus. Uh, None of us, I don't think anyone, um, very few people knew what I was going to be preaching on this morning. I doubt if anyone brought alabaster vials of oil. If you do, for those who have perfume allergies, please do not break it here today. It's not what we're asking. You're the vial. You're the vial. And so in these moments ahead... Uh, if, there's, if there's something that you just you need to give yourself to the Lord again or, or just say, Lord, whatever I have or, or help me live extravagantly, then I, I want us to do that. Would you stand with me, please? We're going we're gonna to sing together and uh, we're going to pray. And, and I'm, I'm going to pray in a moment and, and then we're going to sing this song when we're done singing. Um, they're going to be pl- playing for a while. You can feel free to go. Again, we've, we've been doing this lately where it's just, we turn this place into a, a, a place of prayer, a time of prayer. These altars are open. You can turn where you are. You can go any place in this sanctuary and kneel down. Nobody's going to look at you bad if they do. Their heart's wrong. But would you just give yourself to the Lord again? You're the vial. You're the bottle. All that you have, all that you are is, is the contents. It's not a waste if you give yourself to Him. So let's pray, and then we're going to sing. Whenever you need to go, God bless you. Just feel free to leave at any time. Let's spend some time with the Lord. Lord Jesus, we love you, and we thank you. What you've done for us is immense. Died on the cross, rose from the dead, suffered and died, and rose from the dead so that we might have new life. So therefore, anything that we have, anything that we are, is yours. Help us. Help us to live lives extravagant. Help us. Help us to not listen to the voices around us who call it a waste. Help us to listen to you. This we pray in the mighty and powerful beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you this morning. Let's sing this together. You were the word of